0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth. I trust you're doing well on this Tuesday evening. I'm Nathan Owens and I'm in the studio of the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Pastor Murphy is unable to be here for tonight's episode, but don't turn your radio off. We have one of our regular CRL broadcasters here to fill in, sitting across the desk from me with a big smile on his face is Pastor Nestor Campbell. Good evening, Pastor Campbell. It is good to have you back here on That's Truth.
1: Good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to all our listeners at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse.
0: Pastor Campbell has a radio program on uh, called Love and Service, which can be heard on Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 6.40 in the morning, and at 8.30 p.m. on Monday and Wednesday evening. So if you enjoy his teaching this evening, which I know you will, you can tune in to that program. Again, you can look it up, Love and Service. It is on our program guide, which is on our website, www.radiolighthouse.org. Here on That's Truth, we discuss a wide variety of topics. To name a few, We've discussed some of the religions and cults of the world. We've discussed addictions. We've discussed abortion. And we've discussed what is truth. But no matter what our topic is, we are here to train your mind to view that topic from a biblical worldview. And as a Christian, I've got a question for you. As a Christian, do you ever feel the conviction— that you're not being the type of witness that God has designed you and called you to be. And I'm going to be completely honest with you tonight. There are times, even today, I had that conviction, that conviction and that's the Holy Spirit convicting you to be a witness. And our topic tonight is how to overcome the challenges in witnessing in the Caribbean in the 21st century. Now, Brother Campbell, that is a extremely broad topic. We could spend more than our 90 minutes talking about it, but where do we even begin? How do we begin to discuss that or to analyze that topic?
1: Well, you have given us a great start when you ask the question, uh, are we witnessing for the Lord as we should? And uh, that is just where we need to begin. To search ourselves and see if we are actually doing for the Lord what he expects of us. He commissioned his disciples to go out and to witness for him. To let people know who he he is and uh, what he has done for us and what he can do for them. And people need that. But he needs the believer in Christ. The one who has experienced him to be a witness for him. And so, my dear brother, you have started us off on the right footing. And so I hope that even now our listeners will be thinking as you've challenged them to do. And I also hope that they will call in with their own experiences of the challenges that they face in even uh, attempting to witness for someone because they are human challenges. They are human in the sense of uh, the way we are made up, you know, the fear of rejection and, and these things and uh, concerns about how adequate we are to attempt to witness with the Lord. So it is important that we uh, not only consider whether or not we should or we are doing enough, but also for us to um, face what the challenges are and how do we overcome those challenges.
0: Now, Pastor Campbell, before we even get a chance to really delve into this topic of witnessing, we have a question or a couple of questions that's already come in from a listener in St. Kitts, and I'll give you a chance to answer them to whatever level of depth you feel is appropriate in tonight's episode, and we can always uh, have Pastor Murphy elaborate more on them in the future if we feel it is appropriate. The first question is, by the way, thank you. To the listener who has sent these in from St. Kitts. First question is, what does it mean when the Bible says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder?
1: The Bible is telling us that the responsibility of governing will ultimately be the Lord's. And that is not the same as um, a government being elected And uh, for a little while, they continue for, you know, a term, and then they fall away. This is actually speaking about the greatness of God. And uh, it is speaking about His majesty. You know, I think of that, say, in Psalm 147, um, where uh, it tells us about, um, the might of God, the mercy of God, and uh, the majesty of God, and it is referring that uh, that reference there is taken from Isaiah uh, chapter nine verse six, and uh, we use it a lot at Christmas time. You know, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace it's in reference to the son who is given the child is born that's in the in the in the manger but the son is given because he is given to die for us and we see some people will see this as defeat there's some places where people whip themselves on the shoulder at Easter time because they are thinking that they have caused the death of Jesus well we have yes but the fact that he died for us is a great thing. And in bringing us salvation, he's also going to take control and take authority over his world, which he created. And when that happens, his kingdom would be over all kingdoms. It's like the, the mountain over all the mountains. It's like Nebuchadnezzar's great dream. And Jesus Christ, ultimately, will take control of the world. The government will be on his shoulder, and it won't be a burden, thank God. It will be a time of his authority. I should say the time, because when that time comes, it's not going to go again. It's going to be a time, or the time, when uh, the Lord Jesus Christ will rule and reign and be triumphant and victorious, And all of the governments would fail.
0: A follow-up question to that from the same listener is, what is human government and where is it mentioned in the Bible? While you're gathering your thoughts on that, let me just encourage, uh, if you are interested in that particular topic, uh, we did cover that uh, whole episode on human government and what our role is in interacting as Christians with the government. So you can go just Google That's Truth Podcast and look for the episode number 36. It's entitled Government and Christians. Uh, Pastor Campbell, in summary, what is human government and where is it mentioned in the Bible?
1: Uh, Human government is there in the Old Testament in various forms, particularly in Israel, uh, starting with uh, Moses In the way Abraham had some uh, measure of Governmental authority over his servants. Uh, he led them in the war against the the multiple kings where he met Nebu- um, Melchizedek. And uh, Moses, of course, rose higher than that, uh, beyond just the family to the nation of Israel. And uh, then the judges, um, until God introduced, or the, the people demanded a king, and Saul was made king. And That was human government continuing in the great King David, etc. But we today have uh, human government taking control of nations of the world because God recognizes nations. Um, I know it's controversial if I mention what I think particularly, that uh, God doesn't recognize race in the way we know it. But um, God recognizes all nations of men, I think in Acts 17 we can read about that. And um, in Romans 13 we are told that those governments are appointed by God and they are ministers of God. And God has his reasons why he has uh, all the persons r- uh, ruling nations as they are today.
0: So you're saying that God's in control of the fact that. The president of Turkey is the president at this time. That Putin is in uh, his role in Russia. That Trump is in the U.S. That Gaston Brown is in charge of Antigua. You're saying God is in control of that?
1: Absolutely. And they are uh, ministers of God. They are fulfilling God's purposes. They don't realize it, but they are fulfilling the purpose of God for the for that for the the nation for which they're responsible, and also. Uh, it all flows over into God's plan for the w- entire world.
0: And one more question: the phrase from First Chronicles seven thirty six, past the flower of her age, and the verse says, "But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, she if she passes the flower of her age." And need so require, let him do what he will; he sinneth not, let them marry,
1: okay, He said first chronicles, but I think it's first Corinthians oh, it maybe seven
0: Cor- <laughs> it, it very well, maybe <laughs>
1: yes, it's first Corinthians chapter seven, and um Paul there is speaking about marriage because the peop the Corinthians actually wrote him and asked him about the question. Of marriage, and so he is talking about the 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 physical development of a young lady. Uh, There comes a time when she would expect to be married, and uh, some people in those days would have thought that they would uh, be better off if they remained single. And um, Paul is saying. Some will interpret it as a letter, as as, as a point made to the parent. Um, others may interpret it as a, a potential suitor to that young lady. But once she reaches that point where uh, she has matured to the point where she might uh, not be able to bear children, uh, you know, um, let them marry. Don't hold back, and you won't really be sinning you know, he, v- he begins um, that verse with now concerning, the, sorry, that chapter 1 Corinthians 7 now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me it is good for a man not to touch a woman nevertheless to avoid fornication let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband and uh, later on he Talks about the flower of our age.
0: I trust that that answer answers your question. I thank you for sending in your questions uh, from the island of St. Kitts. Keep listening, keep encouraging others to listen. You are listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, and the name of this program is That's Truth. It's a live call in program. And if you've never tuned in before, we are excited to have your interaction. You can contact us in a number of ways. You can call and be put live on the air. The phone number is one 462 7420 Or if you'd like to WhatsApp or text your question, you can send it to 1-268-782-1454. Now, on the topic this evening, we are discussing... Overcoming challenges to witnessing in the Caribbean in the 21st century, Pastor Campbell, are there ways to categorize uh, what those challenges are, or do we just kind of blindly jump into the middle of the into the middle of the challenges that we face
1: Well I have uh, made an attempt at putting them in categories um, The time factor, you know, in the 21st century, people are so much more busy than they were when I was a a boy in the 20th century. And when I was a boy in the 20th century, and many people, you don't have to be my age to know that, but um, persons would wait for Christmas forever before Christmas comes again. Today I'm saying, oh my, slow down a little. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've just had Christmas the other day, and so it's because we are so busy today. We, you know, um, time becomes an issue. I've mentioned population shift. It's not in any order of priority here, um, but population shift because uh, the Bible says that men will travel to and fro, and we are seeing that in our Caribbean communities. Various languages turning up in and taking over communities, uh, accents. Um, Some persons, Mm -hmm. you know, I I was having an open air meeting today, and a gentleman came out after the I was finished. He said, "You're brave," and he said, "Um, "Are you from Barbados?" (laughs) (laughs) You know, he thought that he picked up an accent, and it wasn't Antiguan. Well, I said, well, no, I'm from Guyana originally, and if I go back to Guyana, they'll probably ask me where I'm from. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the accents are there because of the population shift. Um, These are also um, economic-based shift. They're also education-based shift. People move to um, other areas where they can better fulfill their ambitions for education, and as well as for jobs and so forth. Um, there are issues relating to the way our minds are being desensitized to priorities in life through sponsored entertainment, through the uh, media, the social media, etc. Fairs is another one. And so the list goes on.
0: You mentioned time. Let's spend some time discussing time. Uh, I know I heard a very good message this last Sunday uh, from our youth pastor talking about just being busy in ministry is not satisfactory. The gospel is about individuals having the gospel shared with them and lives and hearts being changed. So let's talk a little bit about time. Uh, what are some guidelines or what are some concerns or words of wisdom that you would have? Um,
1: <coughs> yes, excuse <coughs> sorry. <laughs> Pardon me for that. But yes, the, um, time for various persons impact them differently. And one has to examine oneself to see what is it that is preventing me from doing church work. Um, and let me p- see if I got it right. I went to a meeting last night and somebody w- at the meeting was pointing out that there's a difference between church work and the work of the church. Mm. And that uh, we're so busy doing church work, you know, uh, attending to the lights, the fixtures that are not whatever and so forth. We're doing church work, but we're not doing the work of the church, which is to witness for Christ. And we have to see what it is that is occupying us and uh, how do we prioritize you know in my training I I had some training in this area and they would uh, advise you they would advocate that you should list the things you have to do you don't just go into the day without an idea of what you have to do list the things you have to do and then prior prioritize Things you decide uh, which will be the most important, and uh, put that first, and so forth, and then assign time to each item on your list, so that you know that between ten and twelve you'll be doing this, and uh, you know, and that sort of thing. And if you do it that way, you would be able to put on your list witnessing for the Lord. And this is um, planned witnessing as against the incidental witnessing. Because we travel on the bus and we meet somebody and we have a conversation and we have an opportunity to witness. But it is also important for us to actually say, Tuesday is my witnessing day. And uh, between 4 and 5, this is what I'll be doing. And so we we, we need to organize ourselves in that kind of way.
0: But what if I'm not a graduate of a Bible college? Am I still supposed to be out there witnessing? Or if I'm not a pastor, isn't that the role of a pastor, a deacon, or elder, or church leader?
1: It is the role of a deacon. It's the role of an elder. It's the role of a pastor. And it's the role of every believer. We should be witnesses. I love Romans chapter 14. I wonder how many of Romans chapter 16. Sorry. And you know, one of my Bibles, maybe, maybe it be this one that I have. I'm not sure, but I put at the end of the chapter. It's so wonderful to meet some of the Christians from the first century church, and uh, you'll see the list of these Christians. Some have churches in their homes. Some, for some, the entire family are recognized as as believers and laborers, and um, They were not necessarily pastors and, you know, but every believer should be a worker for the Lord. Now, the question, I suppose, arises because uh, one has to be concerned about one's effectiveness, one's ability to communicate this message. Well, you can seek the help from the pastor to put in place programs or, or or sessions where you can be trained to witness for the Lord and uh, that's very possible I remember many years ago when I got saved uh, by the church I attended was uh, established by a missionary with a Scottish accent but he was from Canada and um, one of the things they did for us as young people we were I mean, quite a few of us were saved as in our teens And they taught us the Roman road, you know, and said, well, you first point out to them this, and then you move to that, and so forth. And um, those things have been with us over the years, and have grown and developed. But the pastor can put something in place. Um, And I I, I have other uh, suggestions for some of the difficulties we may encounter that goes beyond just letting people know that they're sinners, and that Christ died died for them on the cross.
0: Pastor, how long should I be setting aside as my scheduled witness time each week?
1: It varies from person to person and from situation to situation. An unemployed person can mourn over being unemployed, but it may be an opportunity in the wisdom of God given to him to spend more time studying the Word and witnessing because what I know from the Word and from my own personal experience is that God brings the Word to your mind if you have it in your head, if you have uh, studied the Word or you read it often enough, it's going to come back to you just at the time when when you need it, and um, so you, you you part of your witnessing. Uh, schedule should include the study and preparation time. That, as I said, would depend on your circumstance and your situation, but make sure that you have some time set aside and that you feel that that is what God wants you to do.
0: You're listening to That's Truth. It's a live call-in program, and we look forward to your questions or any concerns or even possible topics that you would like discussed, you can contact us. You can call and be put live on the air 1-268-462-7420 or if you'd rather WhatsApp or text your question send it to 1-268-782-1454 If you've wondered ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes in a radio studio you can go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page and look up the facebook live video that is being broadcast right now and you can see behind the scenes in the on-air studio of the caribbean radio lighthouse and then you can comment your questions or your comments underneath the video feed and they'll get passed along We are talking tonight about how to overcome the challenges to witnessing in the Caribbean in the 21st century. But before we can discuss how to overcome them, we have to discuss what are the challenges. And Brother Campbell was mentioning time. Brother Campbell, is there anything else that you'd like to mention on that before we move on to the next challenge?
1: Uh, time is not only the time available to you, but the time that may be convenient to the target person, and uh, you've got to find ways of uh, dealing with that as well. And the the best way, of course, um, is to contact that person ahead of the time you have available. Uh, let them know what it is that you want to do, how long it will last, and if they will be both willing. Uh, to allow you to do what you want uh, to do, and if that time will be convenient for them. But l- let me just show you a little technique that I learned in one of my training long ago. You say when you call somebody, you know. I mean, I, I think that the, the phone is a is a great tool to use. You call somebody and say, "Hello, I've been thinking about you." If you've been thinking about them, that's why you're calling, I suppose. (laughs) Hello, I've been thinking about you and I feel a burning desire to share with you what the Lord has done for me. Can I meet with you on Wednesday at 5? Or do you prefer Thursday at 9? And um, put them in a position where they recognize that you're serious and, um, and they have to say, well, uh, no, 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 those are not convenient time. But what about Monday? What about uh, Thursday? And uh, then you can take it from there.
0: Very interesting. I, I like that practical uh, role-play advice. Now, earlier on, you mentioned the word adequate in relation to being able to present the gospel. How do you define adequate. Uh, how do you know when you have presented the Gospel appropriately? Is it all based on results? Are we the ones that are supposed to bring the results, or is that dependent on God? Um, if we have
1: recognized I mean, the, the, the target person, uh, the person has no idea about Christ, for example. Uh, It may be an immigrant who is coming from a Muslim country or maybe from China, somewhere where they they have limited opportunity of hearing the gospel. And you know that you have to uh, present to this person the very basic of the message. Then you prepare that accordingly, you know, and you know what the basic is. And at the end of the presentation, and of course it must, as I said, have a a, a time frame. So you don't go into somebody's house and two hours after you're still talking. You let them know that it will take 15 minutes and you should cover your uh, goal, your, your objective in those 15 minutes or 20 minutes as the case may be. At the end of it, you must be clear that you have covered all the points that you prepared, and they must be able to ask questions based on what you have prepared. And then you know that they have listened. Of course, uh, if they're only listening to hear when you're going (laughs) to (laughs) finish, you know, again, you'll pick that up. But as you said, my dear brother, it is true that it is the Lord who will ultimately use that word. Your presentation at that day on that day at that time may be just the first link in a chain of events that will ultimately lead to that person's salvation.
0: Some water, some plant, some reap. Look. I forget which book that is in, but uh,
1: God gave the increase. Yeah. Yes that's first Corinthians three.
0: You referenced another challenge being population shift. What do you mean by that? Well,
1: you can't be in the Caribbean and not know what that is about in the sense that um, just about every year you go into an area and and find new people uh, residing in the area. Last Sunday... Um, In my church, somebody who I uh, picked up said to me that she has um, a person who is coming to church. It turned out that that person arrived on the island the day before. Wow. (laughs) And, um, um, you know, adding to the population movement, he's coming from another island. At the same time, Um, I think it was uh, yesterday. Yesterday was Monday, for those who might be listening to the uh, recorded version. Um, On Monday, I was in the supermarket, and a person came to me and, uh, Hello, Mr. Campbell, it's a long time I haven't seen you. And I'm wondering, uh, has this person been on island all the time? (laughs) She recognized me because I taught her at the Antigua Girls High School many years ago and um, lots of these persons who I would have taught at Antigua Girls High School many many years ago have migrated and they come back on, on visits and so forth so we have people moving out we have people coming in and we also have internal movements where persons are moving from the country to the city because of seeking job opportunity or education opportunity so once we have this situation where uh, the population I- is, I- the, the populace is fluid so that the people who are here at one time, they're not there again. Now, why that is important for witnessing? It means that we have to keep going because we might feel that, well, okay, I've covered that area. But um, you covered that area six months ago, but you didn't cover the people who are there now. Yeah,
0: And even if you did cover it, even if it was the exact same people, or 50% of the people are the same people, I recently heard the testimony of uh, one of the ladies in our church, and she was saying that she was a grocery store clerk years ago before she was saved, and a pastor kept coming and saying, give your life to Jesus, the benefits far outweigh The cost. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Every time that he came into the store, he made a point of being in her line. That Mm -hmm. consistent witness. And sometimes, and I'm guilty of this myself, you give someone a tract, you know you've witnessed to them, and then you kind of check off, I'll speak for myself, check off on that mental list of, okay, that spiritual list, I've witnessed to that person, now it's between them and God. It is between them and God, but when God puts an individual on your heart he's working in their life from other angles also and he has the desire for you to be a tool in his hand and be a witness to them Pastor Campbell we have a WhatsApp question from a listener in Liberta Antigua good night is there such a thing as God's irresistible grace what about limited atonement and what are your views on these? Well, that's, oh. a, <laughs> a, <laughs> that's a, a very a, interesting a, question. A very uh, <laughs> big question.
1: Yes, and uh, it, the uh, what, unavoidable grace—is it? What's the uh, How did it put uh, it? Irresistible grace. Irresistible grace. In other words, God is forcing His salvation on you. Um, no, I don't believe in that at all, at all. The Bible says, Whosoever will. You know, the the verse that we 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 all uh know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And um if it is a case where God is forcing it on you, then you are not believing. You know, this is coercion. This is not um, uh, God allowing you to make that decision for yourself. Um, No, I I can't believe, and I can. uh, Well, all the scriptures there, you know, God doesn't will. It's not God's will that any should perish. And therefore, if God was going to use irresistible grace, I suppose he'll use it on all. And the Bible does tell us that, that that God is not a partial God in in, in the Book of James. Um, uh, and what's the other?
0: What about limited atonement?
1: So that a person is only saved to go to heaven, but not to serve the Lord. Uh, oh I, I,
0: I <laughs> if I'm understanding the question mm-hmm. correct, I think it's in reference to. Uh, and feel free to comment in if we're misunderstanding your question. But uh, I've heard discussions on limited atonement, whether Christ died for some or whether he died for all.
1: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there are so many uh, interpretation of the word that, is not, that that are not in keeping with the word. You know, the Bible tells us that we have to compare spiritual with spiritual. So somebody picks up a verse and makes a doctrine out of it. You cannot pick up a verse and take a a verse in isolation and make a doctrine out of it. The Bible tells us God loves the world. That very John 3 and 16. God loved the world. Whosoever believeth. That's not limited uh, atonement at all. If it were limited atonement, it would be those that he predestinated to believe, when they believe, they will be saved. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says that God predestinated persons to believe based on His foreknowledge. He knew beforehand those who would believe. And because He knew beforehand those who would believe, He predestinated them to be saved. So they're predestinated to be saved because they believed and they uh, And because of the foreknowledge of God, because He knew beforehand that they would, uh, the Bible then uses that term, predestination.
0: And one thing that we cannot avoid as a believer is the Great Commission. That is to all of us. As you mentioned earlier in the program, it's not just pastors, it's not just elders, it's not just deacons, it's not just Sunday school teachers. If we are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to be uh, out there teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We have a WhatsApp comment from a listener in Antigua. Thank you for those of you who are sending in comments and questions. Many people do have time to both receive the unbeliever, and also present the gospel to the believer, but too many believers are unable to present the gospel, especially by themselves, clearly and plainly. Which takes us back to the Bible study problem. The statement is based on my personal experience over years. Thank you very much for the individual who sent that in, I think, that uh, that is very true, and based on the nodding head of Pastor Campbell across the desk from me, he agrees with you. Would you agree, Pastor Campbell?
1: Yes, um, but it need not be so. Yeah. Um, it's the, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and this, uh, we're told there in Hebrews four and twelve. But the thing is that if we would take the time to read the word you know we, we don't just depend on the message that we hear on Sunday from the pastor we have a relationship with Christ in which we enter into the word on a daily basis and the Lord is going to equip us to do it I, 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 I don't know what you, you might, what persons might think of me as they listen I'm a broadcaster here and all of that but I still have to read that word so that God can give me the specific message that he has for our people. You know, I, I was sharing with you, my brother, that I had three open-air meetings in the Golden Grove area t- uh, today. And the word that the Lord brought to me was from that uh, Psalm 147. Um, and I felt that I should pass it on to the people. He gave it to me, and I was really thrilled by it and uh, on the, by the time I reached the third open air the third area where I was having the open air I realized that in fact the emphasis that the Lord wanted me to to have on the word to place on the word was the the, the, the mercy of God because I could see in the three verses that i had covered the mercy the majesty and uh, the the might of God. But it was the mercy that the Lord really wanted me to focus on. And in each occasion, I found myself speaking so much about the mercy that I didn't have time to speak much about the others. And when we study the Word and read the Word, the the Lord is going to uh, let us know that that is what He wants us to share. And He is going to prepare the person... For what He has put in your heart. And you don't need to go with fear at
0: all. So if I'm understanding you right, you're speaking to the individual who says, I am a Christian, but I'm not being the witness that I should be. You're saying the first step is to be spending time in God's Word daily in order to be fed yourself before you can go and pass that along to others.
1: Yes, and... um, I have a list of suggestions for such a person. It's not adequate. Uh, Spend time in prayer asking the Lord to use you. That's important. God answers prayers. Believe you me, he does. Now this should be done daily, or better still, multiply times daily. And by that I mean as You walk down the the, the stairs, ask the Lord to go before you, prepare you... constantly be in 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 the presence of the Lord about the matter read the word daily so in addition to praying you will read the word daily be acquainted with the books of the Bible and be sure you can find them quickly you need to you don't want to uh, make yourself look as if you you became unprepared so and don't say things like uh, I think it's in James or I think it you know, uh, just the other day somebody said was quoting and um, he, he said um, the p- a person said to the Lord Lord I believe help thou my unbelief and then he said I think it's in the book of James now you can't say that that sort of thing because that's obviously in the gospel even if you don't know where it is yeah. you must have an idea that that's in the gospel and you uh, so you don't want to make that kind of mistake so you read a word You learn the scriptures that deal with salvation because if you're witnessing, you're witnessing to people who need salvation. So get those scriptures and uh, be prepared to answer questions about them. Ask others whom you know will be supportive to pray for you. You see, it's a spiritual warfare. It's not just a case of going out to tell a friend... uh, um, Uh, a little about what is happening in your family or anything like that. This is a spiritual warfare. Believe you me, it is. Ensure that the leadership of your church is fully behind you in this ministry.
0: Now, why do you say that?
1: Um, That has come to me over the years. Uh, And when you go out there... The devil can put things in place that will not only trip you up but embarrass you. And you don't want to wait until you run into problems and then you go to the pastor and say, Well, pastor And he said well and he, he has to say to you, Well, I never knew you went out. Mm-hmm. You know. Let the pastor be one of those persons praying for you. Have the blessing of the pastor as you go out. Um And if you do it the right way, you will have the blessing of the pastor. Don't be afraid of that. I heard one person last night saying that his pastor doesn't talk about discipleship; he only talks about tithes. (laughs) (laughs) So, but you pray for if your pastor only talks about tithes, pray for him.
0: Any other words of advice that you would have? You were going through a list of things to yeah. encourage a believer to get become the witness that he should be.
1: Yes. Uh, ask the Lord to give you a witnessing partner. You see, Jesus sent out his people in twos. And uh, it is pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's in his wisdom that he sent them out in twos. So ask the Lord to give you a witnessing partner who will be of like mind and who will back you up spiritually. Um, I, I, I had a, a witnessing partner who would just... Um, as you see somebody come, says, Can I give you a track? And then run away. And to me, you need to mention the name of Jesus. Mm. You're there as a witness for Jesus. Hello, I am Nestor Campbell. I am from this church, and we believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. Can I share a track with you? Hmm. You know, at least make sure you let people know the name of Jesus, and then pray that the Lord will always lead you to the right person at the right time, every time.
0: Now, is that a, an add-on thing that's optional, or do you think that's critical that we do it every time?
1: Very critical. God has people out there for you. And uh, again, I I, I I don't know why I'm sharing the personal thing, but maybe that's my nature. I sometimes go home and feel badly about it. But um, yesterday I was moving around. I had an idea where I would go to have an open-air meeting, but the Spirit of God said, go somewhere else. And I bypassed, and I went to where I had in mind. So, you know, they say, you must be prepared. I went to where I was prepared and did not feel comfortable. I turned back and went to the place where the Lord led me. And when I went there, there was a lady sitting right there, and later her children came along, and other people were there. God can guide us to the right person. And the children told me, Mommy doesn't come to church. She needed to hear the gospel.
0: <laughs> Amen. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, the time across the Eastern Caribbean, and in our studios on this Tuesday evening is 818. This is a live call-in program, and we look forward to your interaction. You can call us and be put live on the air. The phone number is one 462 7420 or if you'd rather, you can WhatsApp or text your question to 1268 782 We're broadcasting from Antigua, 1160 AM, 92.3 FM. You can also listen to us online at www.radiolighthouse.org. Or during this program, you can also watch us on Facebook Live. Thank you to those of you who are joining us via that medium. Now... Pastor Campbell, you have a very practical list of, I believe it was maybe eight steps there of how to, as a believer, get back to being the witness that we're supposed to be. You had mentioned, I want to take a step back a little bit to some of the challenges. You mentioned in your introduction that sponsored entertainment can be a challenge to us. Can you expound on that a little bit?
1: Yes, it's a challenge to the mission as against to the missionary. The missionary is not bothered by some of those things, but the target individual, the person that we want to reach, might be so occupied or preoccupied with the sponsored entertainment that they, uh, they, they don't have a mind for what you want to talk about. I, I mentioned, I, I have on my list Carnival, it has become a government-sponsored and government-promoted event in more Caribbean nations today than it was earlier in the years of, in the earlier years of the twentieth century. And I remember when I first came to Antigua, my children, who are now adults, were uh, quite little, and I didn't know a thing about Carnival. I must confess, um, I'm from Guyana, and there was no Carnival in Guyana, and I was. Uh, before I came to Antigua, I lived in Jamaica, in the middle of Jamaica, in Mandeville, and there certainly was nothing like carnival there. So when I came, we came in, in July, and in August there was carnival in Antigua, and I took the children out on the road because, you know, to me this is a big thing, let the kids see what's happening. And an elder came to me afterwards and he said, we don't go to carnival in Antigua <laughs> as Christians. Uh, it was because it was entirely new to me. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. what it was all about and so forth. And I think what happened is that maybe it was being filmed and they probably saw me on the <laughs> <laughs> television with my children and so forth. But what I'm saying is that uh, what has happened over the years is that this sponsorship has made it such a big thing that people spend, I mean, from the time February comes along, they start preparing for carnival. And people's minds are so occupied that they, uh, with, with this carnival and so forth, the sponsored entertainment, that they are numb. They become benumbed to the spiritual things. You know, they have absolutely no time for these, th- for, for, for the spiritual things. Eh?
0: So, how do you overcome that if you're speaking to someone that has no interest or concern about? their spiritual well-being or eternal life, they're just living for the moment, living for Carnival season. Is there a way to overcome that?
1: It is a, a spiritual matter again, and I, I hope people understand that these things are spiritual because they, 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 the man is body, soul, and spirit, and the spirit makes us God-conscious. But when the they, they, uh, physical and psychological and mental are all lean or drawn towards the material and the uh, entertainment areas and so forth, then the spiritual becomes almost dead. They're spiritually dead in one sense, but it's even worse when um, the other things have drawn them away from maybe the days of Sunday school. You know, people meet you as adults, and they say, "Oh, you taught me at Sunday school," but you know, it hasn't impacted them. So, because it is spiritual, the solution has to be spiritual, and that is where I'll go back to those solutions where I, I listed, the, um, you know, spending time in prayer, asking the Lord to use you, and God can. God is greater than the minds of these people. Amen. You know, and God can move in their minds. To prepare them for the word that you have for them, but you've got to be conscious of it, and in being conscious of it, one has also to um, guard how you introduce them to Christ. You know, I mean, if the Lord can put in your mind to use the very carnival as a jumping-off point to show how it hurts the nation and how it hurts individual and how it hurts family. And uh, let them present your solution. Um, that will be a, a, a good thing to do, a good approach to use. But the other thing is, don't condemn them for carnival. Kind of if they love it and so forth, don't But that would be them. the
0: Christian thing to do because the Bible's against it. So I'm supposed to go preach hell, fire, and brimstone on them. So I should con- start by condemning them, right? Or
1: w- Yes, and that is why. Um, Paul, in Acts chapter 17, would say to the Athenians, he says, uh, verse 23 of Acts 17, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you do ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you, rather than saying, oh, you are, you are um, idolaters, you're bound for hell, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. No, he said, whom you ignorantly worship. He made them feel good about what they're doing in a way okay. because he says you're worshiping him, but you don't really know him. So let me tell you about him. That's the approach that I think we should use.
0: So taking the environment that they're in and relating that and then having a spiritual perspective on it.
1: Amen. Yes.
0: I have always appreciated how Scripture shares how Peter approached the gospel with the Jews and how Paul approached the gospel there. I believe that's on Mars Hill. Yeah. And the two different approaches, he took. In, they took into account the background of the audience that they were speaking to the Jews believed in a God, they believed in a creator God, whereas Paul started from that very fundamental base and elaborated the gospel from that point. You also mentioned as a fear that we have to overcome or a challenge, excuse me, a challenge that we have to overcome when witnessing is fear. What do you mean? What is What are some of those fears that we would be facing?
1: Well, I mentioned already the internal fear, the fear of rejection. That's a fear that salesmen have, that persons have generally. Uh, But we overcome that with um, the commitment to the Lord and the trust uh, that we have in the Lord that He will um, be there with us and will see us through. Um, but there's also the fear that we may encounter someone who is well informed about these matters, and in discussion with them, I may find myself out of uh, out of my depth, and that is, um, uh, <laughs> you know, God is a wise God. Maybe I should go back to my Psalm one forty seven and the uh, verse six. Let me quote it. Uh, I'm, I'm turning to it because I want to quote it. I love what it says there. Anyhow, it says that God's intelligence is infinite. <laughs> you know, And it is not our intelligence we're going with. It's God's intelligence. It says His intelligence is infinite. And I tell you that, um, you know, in Matthew 10, the Lord says when you go, they're going to persecute you, they're going to throw you out of the synagogue, they're going to do all these things and bring you to trial. And he says, do not worry about what you will say. I will ga- guide you as to
0: what you should say. That's a very comforting verse. Yes. and You, you think that verse still applies to us today? Oh, it does, yes. Um,
1: that verse 5 of... Psalm 147 says, Great is our Lord, and of great power, His understanding is infinite. Now that boggles my mind in a wonderful way. That I have a God for whom there is no limit to His understanding and His intelligence. And uh, for that reason I know that I don't have to be afraid of any professor or any scholar or anyone else, God is going to put in my mind, and as as found in Matthew 10 as well, God is going to put in my mind exactly what I should say when the time comes.
0: You're listening to That's Truth. The time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.28. We have 30 minutes left in the program, and there is still plenty of time for you to call in or send in your question, but go ahead and do it. Phone number to be put live on the air is 1268 462 7420. 1268 462 7420. The phone line is open and available. Or you can WhatsApp or text your question. You can send it to 1268 782 1454. Maybe you have a witnessing experience that you would. Like to share how the Lord worked, how the Lord brought the right words or the right circumstances Mm -hmm. into the situation as you needed in order to see a person maybe accept the gospel or to see that gospel seed planted. Maybe you have a witnessing situation where you don't feel like it went as well as it could have, and you would like Pastor Campbell, not to critique your witnessing approach, but maybe give you some words of advice or some, some counsel as to how you could perfect. Maybe you have a witnessing technique that you have found to be very effective and you don't believe others are uh, familiar with it. Call in or WhatsApp it to us and we would be glad for your interaction on the program tonight. Brother Campbell, you were talking about witnessing to someone and finding yourself out of your depth. Someone who maybe has much more education than you do. Do you face that fear when you go out witnessing each day? And how do you overcome it?
1: (laughs) Uh... I wish I could say, <coughs> I do, but unfortunately, <laughs> I don't really. Uh, for the
0: individual, for the listener for who says, I, I face it, uh, I've met someone who is very well educated, they may have a PhD, they may have been part of a lot of different religious organizations, and therefore they say they are a source of knowledge on those different uh, religions. How do you overcome that that fear, that concern, that anxiety?
1: The experience is that uh, any question that they could raise, any objection, and objection has a technical meaning to it, Uh, any objection that they may raise to what you say, not that they say, well, look, I object, but they're saying, but what if this this happens? Or how can we know that, uh, that, that God is real? As they raise the objection, there is an answer from the Word of God. There's always an answer. And um, at the risk of repeating myself, I would say that God brings the answer. If someone says to me, you know, how do I know that the Bible is true? I mean, there are those who say that it was written by men to oppress other men and all the other things. I can turn to... Ezekiel 36 and show them where God prophesied how Israel would be scattered and how he will bring them back in the last days and show the fulfillment of those scriptures in 1948 of course a little history knowledge comes in there as well and uh, and uh, how he stood by them through the the six-day war uh, in, in, in 6 to67 with 120 odd million people Arabs and and Muslims coming down on three and a half million Jews and three and a half million Jews defeated them in those six days it was miraculous I could talk to them about the what we learned in 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 secondary school about uh, the matter being um, made up of atoms and atoms of uh, the Molec um, the neutron, protons, electrons, and that those are like electrical charges, things you can't see. And uh, the scientist is telling us that the thing we are seeing, that whether it be solid, liquid, gas, that those things are made of things that we cannot see. And that Bible says that all things were created by the word of God. And Hebrews uh, 11 tells us that. By faith we understand that the worlds were created by the Word of God so that things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. And I can show them that the Word of God confirms itself to be true. So from the Word of God, I can respond to those objections. And I suppose we just need to be ready, but God will always give us the grace and the wisdom when the time comes.
0: Do we always have to have an answer, uh, or is there a time to just kind of quiet the conversation Mm -hmm. and excuse yourself from it and walk away? And if so, how do you know when that time has come?
1: If there's an argument for argument's sake, then it's a waste of time. You know when it's a waste of time. And, of course, you politely withdraw, as you say. But if somebody has a genuine concern and they raise a question for which you don't feel that you have the answer or adequate to answer you can say you know that's a very very good question and um, I wish I could answer you I confess that I can't but will you permit me to ask my pastor about it and come back to you with an answer or should I ask him to visit you you know you, you let like again the, the, the spirit of God direct you as to how to handle the situation.
0: I'm going to come back to this. I know we've already discussed it, but Pastor Campbell, I'm listening to the program tonight. I'm a Christian, but I am not a full-time minister of the gospel. I'm not a pastor. That's the pastor's job to be witnessing. I'm supposed to be earning money to tithe, to pay my pastor's uh, salary or whatever the case may be, to be sending money to missionaries, to whatever the case may be. It's the pastor's job to, to be a witness for the gospel. How would you answer that?
1: Oh, in a multitude of ways, which one do you want? <laughs> 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 but uh, generally I want to uh, Paul Paul writing to the Corinthians didn't write to the pastor's. To the Ephesians, it was to the whole church. To the Colossians, it was to the whole church. And the call to witness was for the whole church. And as I pointed out already, in my my, my favorite verse, my favorite chapter in, in the book of Romans is Romans 16, where Paul calls on them to greet all these brethren, and he tells you exactly how faithful they are in the service of the Lord. So the Work of witnessing is for every believer, and I want to call the attention of anyone who's thinking like that to First Corinthians chapter three, verse eleven, where it says that uh, you mentioned um, uh, one would plant, the other water, but God will give the increase, and uh, Paul says that. Um, uh, that there is no verse 11 for no other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid which is jesus christ and if any man lay on that foundation or build on that foundation let me get it let me get a quote uh-huh. for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is jesus christ Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. And I quote all of that to make the point that every one of us has to build in our lives in accordance with God's plan for us. And if we build faithfully, we will receive a reward. Now, if we just sit back and say, the, min- the, the work of uh, reaching others for Christ is the work of the pastor, you know, that, that, that's uh, an impossible task for one person to be responsible to reaching people in in the church, but if we sit back and and say that, then we are likely in the day of, of of reckoning to find that our works are not gold, silver, precious stones, but wood, hay, stubble, and will be burnt up. We will be saved. It says that we will be saved, but we will have no work that will stand the test of fire. And to stand to testify, I believe it starts with salvation. It goes on to sanctification, then moves on to service, and then to uh, sacrifice. You know, giving sacrificially, doing both time and so forth, and finally to suffering. Right, the day that we live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And that is for any and every believer.
0: You started that list with salvation. What is salvation? Is that going to church?
1: No, not at all. But if you have salvation, you will go to church. <laughs> salvation is not going to church, but if you have salvation, you will go to church. And salvation is coming into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, in which your life is totally committed to Him. Having confessed your sins, having recognized that you are destined to hell, and uh, uh, surrendering your life, calling on the Lord to save you, surrendering your life totally to Him and uh, living for Him. It's not only uh, calling on Him, but it's also following Him. Jesus says it there in John chapter 10, verse 27 My sheep hear my voice and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. But a part I want you to notice is, and they follow me. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if you've ever had anyone accuse you of this as you're witnessing to them, but I'm curious how you would respond. You are just part of a cult. They view all religion as a cult and they just try and write you off and push you aside as a result of that. How would you respond to that?
1: Well, I've never heard that accusation personally, and um, if ever I get such an accusation, it would bother me a little because my interpretation of a cult is a church that says you've got to be a member of my church in order to be saved. You've got to do things this way in order to be saved. That's a cult that is creating uh, a, 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 what do you call it now um, okay. a little cocoon that you say, well, look, you've got to get into this cocoon in order to be saved. Uh, I cannot uh, be um, genuinely accused of being a cult when I'm saying, and I said it on the on the public address system today, that I am not asking people to leave their church. I'm asking you to come to Christ if you have not yet done so. And if in your church you do not hear about the gospel in this way, then you probably need uh, help. <laughs> you know, um, but one has to be careful. But. You know, those little groups that say you must do this and you must be a member of my group in order to be saved, that to me is a cult. And I would explain that to anybody who says you're a cult. No, I'm not a cult. I'm not even preaching religion. I'm preaching Jesus Christ for salvation.
0: How would you encourage the listener who is saying, but Pastor Campbell... I'm worried about what that individual will think about me. Maybe it's a coworker that I'm going to see every day. Maybe it's the gas, thir- gas station uh, attendant who pumps my gas each week, and I'm going to see them over and over and over again. I don't want them to think that I'm a lunatic.
1: Yeah, that is an internal uh, debate that one may have. And... Um, That is where we come to the point where we sacrifice. Remember I mentioned salvation and then the sanctification through the word, you know, we uh, become wholly committed to the Lord. And once we do that, we move on to service um, and to sacrifice. So that I have to come to the point where I'm going to say, even if the person is going to think negatively about me, I will still witness for the Lord. You know, take what Paul says in Acts 16. He says, um, "Is it 16 or 21?" I'm not sure. okay. Anyhow, what Paul says when he, when he was told that if he goes to Jerusalem, mm. he would be bond, put in in bonds. And the people are weeping. And he said, What mean you to break my heart with your weeping? I am prepared not only to suffer bonds in Jerusalem, but to die for Christ's sake. You know. And I think that is where the sacrifice and the suffering comes in. And we we should be prepared to face the embarrassment, even if they think that we're weird or whatever. Yes, they may. But we should not allow that to prevent us from witnessing. Let us go forward, witnessing boldly, for the Lord. Check out Second Corinthians chapter one, where Paul says we had a sentence of death in ourselves. You know,
0: um, you referenced early on in the program tonight. You used the word salesman. Is it okay to think of ourselves as salesmen for the gospel? Is that? Too much of a worldly perspective uh, are there techniques that a salesman would use that you would suggest that are legitimate to implement in our presentation of the gospel
1: i would, uh, I, would I would use it uh, use the word salesman in a way i i, I don't know um, I, I was, in a way, a salesman myself. I, I had many years and very good years at insurance. Um, um, but I don't. I wouldn't be preoccupied with the idea of salesman because really, I am a servant more than a salesman. I go where the Lord sends me. I say what He wants me to say. I do what He wants me to do. So I'm a servant. And I know that this can turn off a lot of people, but I'm a slave. (laughs) I'm a bond servant for the Lord. And whatever He wants me to do, that is what I will do.
0: So, how do you know what He wants you to do?
1: A number of ways. He has a way through His Holy Spirit of speaking to us through the scriptures. He speaks to us through the preachers, you know, those who preach, yeah, even in the matter of salvation. It tells us there in First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, that when, when in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So God will use the preachers, He will use His Word, and most of all, He will make us comfortable about it through the Holy Spirit. And when we have that comfort, that assurance that this is what God wants us to do, we move on and we do it.
0: You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. And maybe you're saying, wait a minute, that's not Pastor Murphy's voice. You are correct. It is the voice of Pastor Campbell, our broadcaster from the program Love and Service which can be heard here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse on Tuesday and Thursday morning at 6.40 or on Monday and Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. Pastor Murphy is not able to be here in the studio, but Pastor Campbell has graciously been filling in, and we've been discussing the topic of overcoming challenges of witnessing in the Caribbean in the 21st century. Pastor Campbell, we've got... 11 minutes left in the program are there any particular areas that you'd like to spend some time developing or focusing on that we haven't been able to spend adequate time yet?
1: Yes, again you quite wisely inferred not inferred, uh, implied that we can um, consider uh, salesman tactics uh, tactics or technique um, and I have a, some some points I want to share I, and I would say if you're going out there to witness for the Lord do be the best witness you can be do the best you can and the Lord will certainly use you and I want to advise anyone going out there think polite I, it might not sound grammatical to you but there's a reason why I put it that way Think polite. I know that some persons are ready to argue with people and say, you you don't want God, you don't want, you know. Don't let's do that at all. Don't be tempted. Don't turn people off from the Lord. Draw them to the Lord. And if you're going to draw them to the Lord, they've got to be drawn to you. So be polite. Think polite. You know, the first thing you think about, I must be polite. I must be polite. And then be polite. Be polite. This worked in the past. It will work in the 21st century. Then when approaching a stranger, first introduce yourself by name. Say hello. It's not hello. Here's a track. Can you take a track? Hello, I'm Nestor Campbell. I'm from, and you name your church. Um, Can I share a gospel track with you? If they accept it. This tract tells you about the Lord Jesus Christ. I always believe that you should mention the name of Jesus when you go out to witness. Even if you're just going to hand them a track, mention the name of Jesus. But seek opportunity to even spend 30 seconds, one minute, uh, explaining the gospel. Maybe you might want to say, and by the way, is there a time in your life, or has there been a time in your life when you... Were convicted about your sins, and you committed your life to the Lord. And out of that, you may get. If they stand and answer, it means that it's an invitation to talk to them. If they walk off and say, mm, "Well, maybe," they 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 don't. They, they're not going to listen to you.
0: And should so you chase them down if they walk away?
1: No, um, not really. I I wouldn't do that. Though, you have to judge based on the. Real-time okay. situation. So, I, I, if I may go on to the third one. Sorry, I, I, I want. To, I said well, when approaching a person for the first time, is a stranger. Introduce yourself by name, and if you have your partner with you, have your partner do the same. Then let them know the name of your local assembly or local church. Let the individu- individual know what your mission is, and how long it is likely to last then seek his or her permission to continue. Can I have just four minutes, maybe at three minutes might be better, three minutes of your time, because you're meeting them for the first time, and you're not going to do a whole sermon on them right now. You probably are going to move from uh, contact to acquaintance. Contact, hello, acquaintance, my name is, now they know your name, and ultimately you will want to know their name, acquaintance. And then... Uh, with that acquaintance, you can develop friendship or relationship, maybe not friendship, but relationship, because they know you as a Christian and you know them as somebody who need the Lord. And take that relationship to influence, because now that you have that relationship, you can influence them for Christ. Um, so much to talk about. It. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that 90 minutes becomes a little bit of time. Can I go on? or Oh, sorry? yeah.
0: No, continue.
1: Okay. So, um, uh, should the time not be convenient when you ask them, about, can I have three minutes of your time? Let the person know that you would be willing to return at a more convenient time and ask for an appointment. Should the person be willing to meet with you by appointment, ask for a number you can call to confirm the time. And if uh, up to that point you don't know the person's name, If the number is given, then you ask for a name. You can say, for whom shall I ask when I call? And uh, that's the one way of getting their name, and and a legitimate way to get the name. Avoid writing down name and number in the presence of the individual, because then you look like FBI, CIA, call it what you will. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't write down anything in their presence. Always have a notebook and pen available, but out of sight. Then ask the leaders of your church to conduct or to organize sessions on witnessing for members of your congregation who may have the desire to witness for Christ. I seem to jump into something there. If possible, accompany able and successful witnesses. Go along with those who are seasoned in witnessing, and observe them at work before venturing out on your own. Go out in twos. That's always a good thing to do. um, It's not always that... Not every time that somebody else will be available, but where possible, go out in twos. But don't go out in... You can go out in crowds, but don't approach anybody as a crowd. Okay? Crowd visit is no longer a custom in this modern
0: age. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The name of the program is That's Truth, a live interactive program. We have four and a half minutes left on the program. If you have a question, send it very quickly so that we can have some time to respond to it. Pastor Campbell, as we wrap up this topic of witnessing, any other words of advice that you would like to share with the listener?
1: Yes, to be a witness, you, you plan for it. And one of the ways you, you say, well, how, to whom do I witness? How do I um, go about wit- setting up a witnessing ministry? One is make a list of persons that you can contact Persons respond to people that they know much better than they will respond to a stranger knocking at their door. So you make a list of the persons that you know, and that list will grow as those persons put you on to other persons as well. A basis on which you can make your first list is the FRA approach. You make a list of all your friends, all your relatives and other acquaintances. And then you call the person on your list, give the reason for your call, and ask for an appointment by suggesting time. For example, you may say, Hello Mary, this is Jane. Will it be alright for me to share my faith with you someday in next week? Once the meeting is agreed to, you then ask, Will Monday at 4 be convenient, or do you prefer Wednesday at 7? Now, keep a diary and never miss an appointment. Once you got the appointment, you don't remember Thursday that you should have gone on Wednesday. Do not be discouraged, even if you have to make 10 calls before you get your first appointment. There is a scientific um, study that says if you make 10 calls, three persons will agree to meet with you. One will actually do business with you. Mm -hmm. Ten, three, one replenish your list constantly by seeking referrals from reputable individuals. Now, because if you, and I'll say further, ask permission from those, you ask for referrals to use their names when making contact with those that they refer you to. And why I would say reputable individuals is because you don't want to call, let's say, a nurse or a teacher or a doctor and then say, well, you know, there was, I was recommended by uh, a wastrel, Somebody who is no good in society. You don't want to do that. So meanwhile, keep on praying to the Lord to lead you to the right persons. And finally, avoid arguments and heated discussions. Keep objective in mind and politely return to the topic after answering objections. Don't let the people's persons stray you away. Uh, don't be straight away. Keep to the topic. In summary, plan prayerfully, implement wisely, and communicate lovingly.
0: Can you develop a little bit more on the topic of what role prayer should have in our witnessing?
1: If you're not prepared to pray, then don't attempt to witness.
0: That's a bold statement.
1: Yeah. Don't go Don't go based on the list of things I've put here. You say, okay, Pastor Campbell has given me a list of things. Now I can go and be a witness. If you're not going to pray, don't go. The Bible tells you that very clearly. In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But it tells us also to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know, I I can tell you in the years, (laughs) you, you will get opposition to witnessing even in the church. Any attempt you make to do what God wants you to do, there will be opposition. If there's no opposition, then maybe that's a sign that God doesn't want you to do it.
0: Pastor Campbell, you mentioned earlier uh, that you were out doing street meetings in the Golden Grove area. Can you share with our listeners what church you are associated with and where it's located in case they would like to attend the church?
1: Yes, I, I certainly would like to. I'm uh, from the Faith Gospel Hall, and it's located on the um the Antigua State College Road as you go up to the hill towards the State College you look to the left or to the west you'll see the sign mark Faith Gospel Hall and we meet at 10 o'clock on Sundays
0: Pastor Campbell thank you very much for coming in and filling in for Pastor Murphy and for sharing some very practical information with us on how to overcome challenges when witnessing
1: Thank you, you're welcome
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of That's Truth. Be sure you tune in next week and make sure it's not just you tuning in. Make sure you invite others to tune in with you. Lord willing, Pastor Murphy will be back next week. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's Truth.